Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our meditation this morning, taken from Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, listen again to verse 22. And they were astonished at Jesus' teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. So far, our text. While I was growing up, there were eight of us Ludwig kids. I'm third in line, but my two older twin brothers were nine years older than me. So, for most of my growing up, Tom and Mike were out of the picture. They were already out of the house, which meant that for all practical purposes, that left me as the oldest, which also meant that every once in a while when my mother would need some uh, mental health time, she would escape the house and leave me in charge of my five siblings. Cue the maniacal laughter. <laughs> All right, now, did I abuse my mom-given authority? Absolutely. Like a champion, you know. Make my bed, I'm in charge, take out the garbage, make me a sandwich. And it wasn't long before my four younger sisters and my one younger brother decided to revolt against my authority altogether. And they cried out with one voice, you're not the boss of me. True story. Our text today, taken from the first chapter of Mark's Gospel, it's all about authority, specifically the authority of Jesus Christ. In that text, we discover Jesus in the city of Capernaum, which makes perfect sense since Peter was from Capernaum. In fact, the city would become uh, a kind of home base for Jesus during much of his ministry. And neither is it a great surprise to find Jesus uh, in the local synagogue, teaching and preaching on the Sabbath day. After all, Jesus was a Jewish rabbi, and every Jewish rabbi had a standing invitation to jump into the pulpit if they visited uh, a synagogue, should they choose to do so. Well, if you've ever wondered what it would have been like to actually sit in on a Bible study or a sermon put together by the Son of God, listen to the reaction of those who experience this from the comfort of their Jewish uh, padded pews. Mark tells us in verse 22, and they were astonished at Jesus' teaching. Astonished. From the Greek word ekplizo, which, which means amazed, astounded, astonished. By the way, this is the same word used to describe the reaction of the Jewish teachers who heard the 12-year-old Jesus answering questions in the Jerusalem temple way back in Luke 2, verse 48. But here in Mark's Gospel, we receive a further clue as to why Jesus' preaching slash teaching was so phenomenal. You know, Mark tells us this. We'll finish that verse uh, 22. And they were astonished at his teaching, 
for he taught them as one who had authority. And there's our word for the day, not like the scribes. Authority. Another Greek word, exousia, which literally means the power to do something or the authority to rule. In other words, the teaching of Jesus was different from the teaching that those folks were used to receiving from the rabbis and the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. Here's the big difference. Unlike most Jewish teachers, Jesus didn't say, well, as Moses taught us, or, or as Isaiah reminds us, or as the rabbi so-and-so once said, uh-uh, Jesus would say to them, I say to you, you know, or it wasn't, well, you know, you should really go to the temple and make a sacrifice and, uh, and, and receive forgiveness. No, Jesus would say directly, your sins are forgiven. Jesus would tell them directly, believe in God, believe also in me. You see, the authority of Jesus wasn't handed down or dependent upon someone else. Jesus himself is the authority. And that was the difference. Jesus uh, spoke as if he was God, as if he was the boss of the universe. And of course, that's exactly what he was and is and always shall be. And it blew those people away. But something else happened on that day in Capernaum the, the raw power and authority of Jesus, it came through in another earth-shattering way. Because it turns out there was a demon-possessed man sitting in church that day. And I know what you're thinking, why didn't the ushers, you know, tackle him and, and wrestle him all the way out uh, into the parking lot? Well... Not all people who are controlled by evil are violent or foaming at the mouth or overtly obvious. I mean, sometimes the evil is deeply seated and controlled and camouflaged. But look what happens when any demon suddenly finds himself in the presence of Jesus. Have you come to destroy us, Jesus of Nazareth? We know who you are, the Holy One of God. Translation, you're the boss of me. And what does Jesus do next? He tells the demon, be silent. Keep your mouth shut. And this is the same Greek word here uh, that's used when you put a muzzle on a dog. You know, Be quiet. And then, come out of him. And the demon has no recourse but to obey, because at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow above the earth, under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory uh, of God the Father. I mean, the demon's gone. He's history. Right? He's got to take off uh, and not come back. The man is freed from his slavery. Jesus is the boss. I want you to notice something else in our text, and that something is this. On that day in Capernaum, the demon bows down to Jesus, 
The demon acknowledges Jesus as boss, but the people in church that day, the folks who saw and heard the whole thing with their own eyes, their own ears, they don't bow down to Jesus at all, do they? In fact, in this same chapter, the first chapter in Mark's gospel, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law, and many who were sick, Mark tells us, including a leper, and he also cast out many more demons in Capernaum. In chapter 2, Jesus not only heals a paralyzed man, but then, then he forgives the man his sin, which is the greater miracle. In chapter 3, Jesus heals a man with a withered hand, which is immediately followed by these uh, words. Mark says, The Pharisees then went out and held counsel with the Herodians against Jesus, how to destroy him. What? Only three chapters into Mark's gospel, and people are trying to kill uh, Jesus. And these people, they saw the miracle. I mean, they saw his power. They saw his authority. There's no denying, hey, this is the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He's God himself in human form. Why don't they believe? Why don't they worship? Why don't they call Jesus boss? doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, they refuse to own up to Christ's authority and his power. It kind of reminds me of the story of a captain on the bridge of a large naval vessel who saw a light ahead on a collision course. He signaled, alter your course 10 degrees south. The reply came back, alter your course 10 degrees north. The captain then signaled, alter your course 10 degrees south, I'm a captain. The reply, alter your course 10 degrees north, I'm a seaman third class. Now the furious captain signaled, alter your course 10 degrees south, I am a battleship. The reply, alter your course 10 degrees north, I am a lighthouse. The people in our text and in the chapters that follow, they had a choice, and they, they chose to ignore Christ's authority in their lives, okay? And now's the time when the sermon comes home and comes full circle, and you knew this question was on the way, because I have to ask you now, is Jesus Christ the boss of you? And that is such a personal and intimate question isn't it? Because if you're honest with yourself, and I'm, if I'm honest with myself, we have to admit, we all have our demons, don't we? We all have our, our handful of secret or not-so-secret lesser bosses whom we allow authority and control in our lives. I mean, I've got my lesser bosses, too. Uh, we all do. I mean, the things you know, that money can buy. How often have I let that boss me around? Earthly stuff, or, or success, or your children's success, or your ego, or popularity, or the search for clout, or, or think about how many people are controlled by their fears, or their anger, or their addictions. And aren't you sick of it? I mean, aren't you aren't you tired of that? Aren't you tired of those those demons, those those lesser bosses 
pulling your strings uh, all the time. And really, they're tyrants, aren't they? They're, they're, they're bullies. But they're tyrants and bullies that have a secret. They have an Achilles heel. There, there's something they don't want you to know, okay, ever uh, to know. They don't want you to know how weak they really are. They don't want you to know how terrified, absolutely terrified they are of Jesus Christ. When Christian Herder was governor of Massachusetts, he was running hard for a second term, and one day after a, a, a busy morning of chasing votes and no lunch, he arrived at a church barbecue. He was famished, and as he moved down the serving line, he held his plate out to the woman who was serving the chicken, and after she placed a piece on his plate, he asked, excuse me, do you mind if I uh, have another piece of chicken? Sorry, the woman told him, I'm supposed to give one piece of chicken to each person. Well, the hungry governor decided that it's time to throw his weight around a little bit. Do you know who I am, he said? I'm the governor of this state. Do you know who I am, the woman said? I'm the lady in charge of the chicken. Move along, mister. <laughs> Don't you know who you are? You are a Christian. You belong to Jesus Christ. He's the boss of you, and he's the best boss of all because he loves you. And he died for you, and he conquered sin and death and devil and all demons uh, for you on Easter morning. Your baptism, your faith in Jesus Christ, it connects you to all that. Your faith connects you to Christ's cross and his empty Easter grave, and that means you're connected, you've got a conduit to all of Christ's power and all of his authority that he gladly and willingly shares with you. You've got more clout than you could ever imagine. So I don't care what demons you're wrestling with right now or how many lesser bosses are trying uh, to push you around and control your life. All you need to do is look them in the eye and say, Jesus is in charge of my life. Move along, mister, and they will move and they will leave. They have to. They have no other choice. They have to leave you alone and give your life back to you because Jesus is the boss of you. Amen. And the peace in Christ that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.